T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. myself Jillian Carroll we have Julio in the booth it is so good to be back in the booth with the boys today it has been a long over a month that I've been back on the show you guys did one in in June it's been like a month and a half since you were on we did one middle of June last month and since then the Royals they have been preventing us from being able to get on the air because they've been playing games early in the afternoon or, early, or late in the morning. So, yeah, we have not been able to get on, but we are back. Overtime. We are back, and we have so much to cover. It is a bit of a short show today, but we have a lot to pack in it. Yeah, we got 90 minutes here of uh, hot coverage here before Royals uh, coverage. Cody's on deck show live from out there at the K in Gate A in left field. He's over there at the 610 Mobile Studios. He'll give you an hour of his great Royals coverage before Royals Network po- pregame starts. At 5.30, and then the Royals game will be at 6.15. If you're out at the K, go say what's up to Cody and bring him some water because I'm sure he's going to be dying. Yeah, it's hot out there. It's really hot but out But he's there. great. Talk to him. He's really cool. Make sure you say hello. Uh, we're kicking off the show. We've got a lot on the plate today. So running through uh, just a rundown, Tyreek Hill. We've got some uh, some things have been released in regards to him. <laughs> we, we here at 6.10, we finally released this audio that we've been trying to get authenticated for like a month and a half or so. So we finally were able to get that cleared. It was a big bombshell, and there was certainly a lot of criticism to be had. Uh, there was a lot of talk about the the Tyreek Hill situation. We're going to give you our thoughts here coming up uh, later on in the show. After that, of course, the women of the hour, the women of the month, the women of the season, the women of the year. We will talk about the women's national team. Yep. The U.S. women's and... national team winning the World Cup. For the fourth time, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about there. Um, we also are going to welcome in the guests. We're really excited to talk some NBA, both national and some local business that's mm-hmm. stirring up here in Kansas City. Um, we've got some web hits from our guy. We just got an entertaining show for you, but we want to start off with your thoughts on the ESPYs. Um, We saw a lot. Kansas City was represented well. Yeah. So, obviously, Mahomes taking home the SB for best NFL player. <laughs> I mean, this is an honor, but didn't he already win this? Did not. <laughs> didn't he already win MVP? I mean, come on. Uh, look, here's the thing about the way that they did the uh, the, be- the best NBA play- best NFL player, and that they did the best player for all these different leagues in the first place. They did not announce this during the show. They announced this during the red carpet event before the show actually started. As a matter of fact, it was it was I was producing for Bink and for uh, for Pete Sweeney, and first hour of the show, red carpet show, we we you know we've got it on the TVs. We see Mahomes get on television early on in the show. I think it was the first segment, and then next thing you know, one of the producers just walks over there with the <laughs> with the ugly trophy that they hand out for the ESPYS, and 
And mind you, Pat Mahomes got some ugly ass shoes on. We we'll talk, talk about we'll those talk about bit. the shoes. We'll in get there a little bit. But they hand him this trophy, and then next thing you see at the bottom, Patrick Mahomes, best NFL player. I'm like, this is the most popular sports league in the country. How in the hell did this award not make the show? How did this make... Because it's already been given. We already knew he was the best NFL player. We knew he was going to get it, but like they were doing this for best MLS players. Latan Ibrahimovic got it. They were doing this for all these other different leagues as well, but... You couldn't save that for the actual show? <laughs> that show was like, what, three, three and a half hours? It's a very long show, and they replay it so many times on ESPN. How can't you fit the, the best player in the top league on your show? The, 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 the best player of the league that gets you your best ratings, how was that not on your main show? Why did you have to relegate that to the red carpet show that nobody watches? I think it's because... The award has already been given. It was it was a no-brainer. We knew who would take it home, so they were saving more exciting ones. Oh, yeah, we knew who was going to win it, but, like, you kind of want people to care about the award. And well, any award that's given to... out on the pre-show doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I was excited to see many different athletes, obviously, um, celebrated for different things. Um, I know we, we did get to see Mahomes go up and accept the award for best game, which I think that was an amazing game, Rams-Chiefs. Didn't walk away with the W. However, it was such a memorable game. It was just a competitive, high-level game. Two very skilled teams. Two incredible quarterbacks going head-to-head. Chiefs um, lost that game, though. So I know, if I, I were Mahomes, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be on the stage for that. Don't I, give me the award for the game I lost. Like, I, I don't care about the award if I lost the game. I appreciated what they did, though. So Goff and Mahomes dedicated it to the firefighters, men and women. They were actually yeah. in... And they were at the awards um, ceremony, and I appreciated that they dedicated it because they went through a lot fighting the fires during that time period. Um, I mean, I think, again, this is just the power of sport and how it can be used over such a positive. So we did get to see Mahomes go up there in his purple shoes, so we do want to know what you think about like, them. They weren't even really purple. They were, like, blue with these red spots on them. It looked like like somebody, like, painted on them or whatever. <laughs> they were ugly as hell. And I don't – I can't – uh, we're going to do Dead to Me later on, and I wanted to use his 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 stylist. I was going to do that initially, but this Grayson Allen story pissed me off, so we'll go on that later. But I was going to kill off Patrick Mahomes' stylist for allowing him to go out there and wear these ugly-ass Such shoes. Such a hater. The stylist already messed up. What was it last year when the, when his stylist allowed him to run, run around in them jorts and that cut-off <laughs> cut sleeveless T-Bones jersey last year at that NASCAR event? I enjoyed it. I, I, thought... I did not enjoy it because the only people that can get away with wearing jorts are Anthony Sherman and John Cena. Those are the only two people that can get and away with running. Mahomes and Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes can't wear jorts. And the fact and that he it was a shout-out to the T-Bones minor league baseball in Kansas City. Yeah, like, what? Yeah, this you don't guy need to just, wear jorts. No, he owns Kansas City now because he did that. No, you can't, you can't wear jorts. Yes. No, he and can. then he wore them ugly-ass shoes at the SBs. Those are we questionable need to, We need to have me. a talk with his. With, <laughs> I heard Fesco was talking about he would rock. No, no. Nobody can rock those shoes. Jay-Z can't rock those shoes. Nobody can rock them ugly-ass shoes. I think he, he did. He, he embarrassed <laughs> us. And we got we to gotta have a talk. We have to sit down with Mahomes. All you, right, let's you, get a bit. You go ahead and be right? the one to do that. <laughs> work on that Oh, part. yeah, no. If we could, Let me know how that works out. <laughs> you, you got connections with the Chiefs. You used to, you used to work a, for the Chiefs. Let me just give him a call real yeah, quick. Yeah, you need to, like, work your connections here, get <laughs> Patrick know. Mahomes on, and we need to have a talk with him about how he is representing our city. Because he is representing Kansas City. He does, and he's he not embraces just a, it, and he's I love not him a, for that. He's not a part-time resident. He lives here. He got a house over in Mission Hills. Like, 
he represents the city now. Other awards we got to see accepted were the women who made a late fashionable, fashionably late arrival because they were busy celebrating in New York across the country just hours before the U.S. women's national team made it to the ESPYs and accepted the award for best team. I'm there's just hands down. That's absolutely appropriate. No one else could have held a candle to them, especially with the timing with everything. I mean, there's just no way. Yeah, they, they did make a very star studded entrance mm-hmm. into that uh, into the award show. And they really kind of taken over the world of sport here the last yeah, yeah. last month or so. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, he had us. He had us on the edge of our seat a couple a week, a week and a week and a half ago. He, I mean, he had us on the edge of our seat. But when that story blew over and then the women went out there and they were able to go out there and dominate Netherlands in that final. Dominate the whole win. tournament. Yeah, they dominated, They went out and destroyed Thailand in their first uh, game in group stage. And then they made the waves that they did outside of the game. It was really, really huge. So, uh, man, th- it was really cool seeing them on there. And I think it's I think it's really cool that you're starting to see kind of that changing of the guard, if right. you will, from uh, the way that we kind of perceive the very top end of sports. Now you're starting to see newer, fresher faces mm-hmm. in the NFL at the top, like Mahomes, where before it was just old guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. <laughs> now you've got the young bloods coming in. I know the, the NFL is going to try to make Jared Goff be that opposite for Patrick Mahomes. They'll try. But... They'll try. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> But they'll they'll try. They're going to try to find a counterpart to be the anti-Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes has really become the new face of the NFL. So I think it's really cool seeing that. I just don't think he can be wearing them damn shoes that he was wearing. <laughs> Always back at to the, the shoes. Another fresh face. I was very excited to see him. Very happy for her. Um, a gymnast from UCLA, Caitlin Ohachi. Oh yeah. I'm assuming you saw her. Look at his face. I like I'm assuming you saw her a couple of her routines just absolutely flawless. This girl can perform. She is crazy. Why are you smiling talented. so much, Chris? <laughs> Why are you smiling she so hard about is this? She is a beautiful human being. She yeah, is watch a your mouth cute a little. She is a beautiful human being. Um she I watched some of her performances on ESPN and the 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 gymnastics finals or whatever it was. Well, it was really cool to watch her take home an ESPY, and she took it so seriously. She had a really cool acceptance speech. It was a poem um, in which she addressed some of the struggles and the issues that have been brought forth in the world of gymnastics. Oh, um, yeah, the Larry Nassar stuff, yeah. So, But she hit it head on, and she was um, – I thought she was fantastic, and it was really exciting to see, like you said, fresh faces, and that is one that I don't think is going anywhere. I think we're going to see her for the next years to come. She's incredibly talented and and personable, and um, like I said, I think she just took it really seriously, and it was really cool to see her win that. If you you guys won an award, would you do the prepared statement, or would you just wing it? Oh, I would. Ugh, I would not. I'd have to wing it because I don't like when people like read off a sheet. What if you don't win? I don't think I would. I would go in there like well, if you, happy win, to be nominated. you don't have to worry about it. It's not like you're you're like, hey, hey, I got it. I got a speech. No, prepared. but I'm like, I think you, I think you got to wing it. I don't think you could do. I don't like the prepared statement when someone wins an award. I don't like unless you like got a list of names of people you want to thank. I, but I you should know that anyway. I believe so. If it's truly genuine, Agreed. you know. You I sh- think you gotta. I think you gotta wing. It. I don't like when people do the prepared statements. <laughs> if you, I think if it, if it's your first major award, then you probably should have something prepared. 
Because what if you freak out? Right. But other than that, <laughs> no, like, I mean, that's better though. If you freak out, you know, it's kind of like, cool. It's so genuine. Because like that's the thing I really liked about like uh, about Giannis is like Giannis was up there and he was oh, trying it. so hard. He was crying, and he, you know you could feel like it was it was really genuine when when he was up there doing the uh, when he was up there doing his MVP acceptance speech. That was really cool. And then did you hear when he did win best male athlete and beat out our boy Mahomes? That was that was he BS. said. This is not going to be anything like the MVP speech. I was way too emotional. He's actually been said, he's been quoted saying, like, I can't watch my speech because I'll get emotional again. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just love that guy. But I just have to shout out the text line because, Chris, it says uh, right here from 913, Patrick Mahomes officially took over Kansas City on Jorts and T-Bones Day. No, he didn't. Uh, yes, he did. I'm just Absolutely saying. did. <laughs> he, t- he took over as soon as as, as soon as, uh, as soon as Alex Smith As soon as he was drafted. As soon as, <laughs> yeah, because like, we, all, we, we, was kinda, we were kind of waiting on that. And then when, Mah- when the Chiefs went on that losing streak, in 2017, everybody's like, "Okay, get get Alex the bleep out of here." <laughs> so we were waiting on him, and then as soon as Alex, as soon as the news came down that Alex got traded to Washington, that's when the, that's when he took over the city. He and took you it can over. tell he was feeling himself. And I talked about this the day after. I was like, "Alex, uh, Patrick is starting to feel himself too much because he is running around with these damn jorts on." And like I said, <laughs> the only people that could wear jorts, John Cena and Anthony Sherman. Those are the only two and... people that could wear jorts. Patrick, no, thank you. no, it's unacceptable. <laughs> he can, you know, he can wear the the cut off sleeves with the the T bone. It was jersey. for a reason though. It wasn't like he just the George just ran it. It's the George. Wasn't he George's. at NASCAR? Yeah, yeah. The, you can wear whatever you want. You see how people no. are. At if you're gonna wear it anywhere, <laughs> not, that's the most appropriate place not, to wear. He's not a NASCAR. He's Patrick uh, Mahomes. You have to represent the city better than that. You no. can't wear shorts. He is young. Wear he has some swag. basketball shorts. He represented his city and he did it. He embarrassed. Uh, one he more embarrassed. quick shout out to the text line seven eight five. Does this gal have a Twitter handle? I do. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I knew she was gonna get to that before we got to the break. <laughs> it's Jillian Thomas twenty two. Follow. Thanks so much. <laughs> and follow me at zero to sixty c e r o t o six zero. Julio the, Sanch. the Julio Sanch. <laughs> Not a Julio Sanch. The Julio Sanch. The, Sanch. the one only. All right, we're going to throw it a break right now, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the 11-minute conversation, the full-on conversation between Tyreek Hill and his fiance That was dropped right here on 610 Sports Radio. Don't go anywhere. Julio is on it with the intro tunes today. I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Welcome back uh, in to Overtime. Doesn't uh, do anything for me. Such a party pooper. It's the generic Debbie music Downer. that we can't even play real music. So I like this. It makes you think of summer. It doesn't make Don't pay attention to him. He, he doesn't care. <laughs> I'm just being, just giving you my honest takes. That's what I get paid to do. Ay, ay, ay. As promised, we are going to not play the whole recording, but just kind of process through it all and give some thoughts on the 11-minute conversation that was released in its entirety. Um, Carrington Harrison was actually the one to um, play it for the first time right here on 610 Sports Radio. Mm -hmm. And obviously, previously, there was a very small portion of it released. Mm -hmm. Um, There were actually two different... Yeah, there was two different parts that KCTV5 had played Mm -hmm. on on their evening news. And then on the drive, I think it was on Tuesday... We played right. it for the first time in full, all 11 minutes and change. You, If you missed it, you can hear it on the podcast page for Tuesday on The Drive on 610sports.com or on the radio.com app. 
either one, it's still there. I know that's where I mm-hmm. had to go back and listen. Oh, yeah, I've um, listened to it plenty of times because we played it a lot on Bink, on, on Bink at night. And, you know, there's two routes we kind of want to take on this. There's definitely we want to talk through it all. But then there's also just the piece that, like, okay, if this was here, how come we didn't hear about this earlier? Mm-hmm. And so we do want to um, just hear your thoughts on that. And if you guys want to chime in, for sure, reach out on the text line. It is the Protein House Eat, Eat With a Purpose text line 69306. Um, not breaking news though. We, this has been out for a week now, like we talked about, however, it's just such a big headline. So first and foremost, addressing the conversation, the actual 11 minute conversation, I still just have this feeling in my stomach of, I just can't imagine being in a situation where as a female or a male feeling the need to essentially set up my significant other by recording them without their knowledge and probing, you know, sending probing questions and, Mm -hmm essentially um, just fishing for some sort of statement that would incriminate them or um, which would result in directly, directly result in changing the status of their family, their child's welfare, and so many different things. So I think that we should stop and think of if somebody felt like they really had to go to lengths to do that, there's just obviously, I mean, that's a red flag right there, right? Yeah. But moving forward, um, New pieces, so the entirety of the 11 minutes, revealed conversations about the 2014 incident Mm -hmm. between the two, um, in which hearing Tyreek Hill on that piece of the 11-minute conversation, um, I think opened my eyes and I think maybe um, changed how I feel that really happened, that whole situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, did we get a hardcore, no, I didn't do this, yes, this happened? From the conversation, no, I don't think we did. Um, but after hearing it, and I don't want to know what you guys think, but after hearing it, I really do think that um, Tyreek Hill was very much so just adamant about not about his innocence there. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so you know that's one thing, like twenty fourteen mm-hmm. years ago. But moving forward, what happened to this little guy? Was it Tyreek Hill? Was it the fiance? I don't. What do you think that this new recording yeah. shows us i think here's the thing i don't think it exonerates him and i i definitely i've said this from the very beginning i don't know what happened and i don't want to act like i know what happened right. just because of what we heard on a recording or what we didn't hear on a recording you know so to me i don't really like the uh i don't really i don't really like the idea of jumping to a conclusion in in the form of innocence or guilt on mm-hmm. you know just based on that audio what I do think, though, that we have to really take into account is that one of the things that happens in a lot of situations, especially when it comes to, um, like, violence against women, is that a lot of times, especially in that situation, Tyreek was in a, in a no-win situation. Now, let's say that, and I, I think there was something that happened in that situation in 2014. I don't know if it exactly happened the way that it was on the police report. Right. There certainly is reason to doubt that considering his accounts versus her accounts. So I have my doubts that it happened exactly how it happened. But I do think something in that instance happened. Tyreek did something that he didn't, that he should not have done. Mm-hmm. And it resulted in that situation where the police getting called and him getting arrested and eventually getting in trouble. So there certainly to me are, are some concerns there in that in that situation that would cause me to look at him and be like, hey, he did not conduct himself the way he should have. Right. But at the same time, I also look at that situation and I do think that she also played a part in it as well. <laughs> and 
when you're trying to record when you're recording someone and you're trying to get them to say incriminating evidence is something incriminating in a situation where you're potentially going to be fighting for custody of not only the child that you already have, but the two children that you have on the way. Right. That tells me that this is not a one sided ordeal as far as the problems that they have in their relationship. It's a two sided situation. Certainly. And because of that, it's hard for me to look at either of them and say that either of them is a is a guilty is a is innocent in this. So I kind of feel like it's I don't think it exonerates him, but it, it sure as hell doesn't make him look like he is this monster that he's been portrayed since the day that he was drafted to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I remember when he got drafted, I went on the air the day after on uh, practice squad. And I said, I was like, look, even if he like if he really did this stuff and if he really went out and, you know, punched and choked his his pregnant girlfriend, as long as he's taken the steps to make sure that he does not do that again. He is a he's taken the steps to apologize and to correct his behavior. I'm okay with him being on this team. Because I don't think that just because you do something bad once, you're irredeemable. I don't believe that. With that being said, if you continue to do it, if you have a long history, then something's wrong there. you got a problem. Right. But if you just do something bad once and then you take the steps to correct it, then I'm not going to go out and say you're a terrible person. You don't deserve another opportunity. And I hated how people jumped to a conclusion when this whole situation came out back in March and then eventually came to a head when this audio came out in April. I didn't like how we jumped to a conclusion because I was like, maybe we should step back and we should let the evidence come out because to me this seems very one-sided. And we knew that because we knew that there was more audio than there than was allowed. Right, but you couldn't say anything about it yet. Yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't like, like I, I was sitting here a month ago and I, because I had heard that audio back in late May and I was you sitting here a month ago. You heard the full 11 minutes yes, back in May. Yes, the full 11 minutes before we, way before we got it cleared. And I remember listening to it, I was like, I mean, I can't say what I want to say on the air, <laughs> but I want to tell people there's more to the story than than meets the eye. There's more to the story than what you what was presented on KCTV five, and I just couldn't do it because I knew we hadn't had that audio cleared, and I didn't want to just be blowing smoke out here. So this, I think this, and I, I I'll tell you this, kudos to Sam Mellinger for going out and putting that article in the Star earlier this week, saying yeah I jumped the gun on this, and I hope that a lot of the other people that jumped the gun with their opinions on this look at this and like. Think really think about wh- how we treat people who have these bad reputations be- reputations because of the bad things they've done in their past, like Tyreek. You know, just because someone has done something in their something wrong in their past, it does not mean that they are now just going to always continue to mess up in their lives. Right. There's a lot of people out there that get their bleep together and they start doing right things. And I just hated how, to me, people jump the gun on this because of his reputation instead of allowing the facts to come out before they rush to judgment. So that, to me, is, like, my big take on it, is I kind of feel like people rush to judgment. And and I think people might be rushing to judgment now with declaring him innocent and in all this, too. Because I don't think he's 100% innocent in all this. I just don't think he's this monster he's been portrayed to be. I'm with you on that. And I think, if anything, I hope that people understand. Um, I don't think it's necessarily pointing a finger at one or the other. I think that we all collectively need to see that these both of these parents need some serious time 
and work on themselves. They don't need to be together. They don't need to be together. For the them- sake of their children. Oh. Usually we think like a couple's got to be together for the sake of the children. This is a time no, no. where the couple does not need to be together for the <laughs> sake of their children. And they need to work on themselves as adults yes. and parents and caretakers, you know, by themselves, not collectively. Like you mentioned, it's usually a collective unit, but by themselves. And they need to make sure that they have everything right in their lives, in their careers, and their everything with them. Because as a parent... Obviously, you can't take care of someone else if you're if you're not taking care of yes. yourself. You know what I mean? So moving forward, I do want to turn the table and start a little bit of a conversation as far as why this wasn't released initially and why two separate pieces were. And what do you think about that? Was that is that correct? Is that is that the right thing to, to do? Is that the right approach? I, uh, I here's what I think. And and uh, what was it? Uh, the uh, the news director for KCTV five. I think it's Casey Clark Jr., I think is his name. He came out and said that he did not think that the full audio was newsworthy. And I would question whether or not he knows the story well enough to be able to make that decision. Because anyone who knows this story, and I know all of us here at 610 have been following it. I know the people that listen to us, they follow it because he's a very important player for the Chiefs, so we know this story. And just for my own personal take, if I mean, we were going to be talking about the 2014 incident anyways, even without this whole story with when it's a repeat, incident. not even just that, not even just that. Let's say that this this child situation doesn't happen. We're still going to talk about that situation okay. because his contract was coming up this mm-hmm. year. He was going to be in line for a contract extension anyways. So it was going to be something that was going to be talked about. It was something that was talked about when the Chiefs played the Patriots because some jackasses in the stands threw beer in his face when he scored that touchdown to put the Chiefs uh, put the Chiefs up. Actually, no, it tied the game late in the uh, in the fourth quarter there. And people tried to justify, well, oh, look what he did in 2014. It's something that is always going to be a part of the conversation. So anytime that you get a new layer to that story, it has to be out there. You can't just be like, oh, this isn't important, and then chuck it in favor of these new details here because everything that was part of that is important for the context of their relationship. And so to me, if you say that that's not newsworthy, it means that you don't know the story. And if you don't know the story, then maybe you shouldn't be making decisions on whether something is newsworthy or not. Bam. And that was that's the nicest way I could have said there it. There it is. Because I tell you this. That was awfully nice. <laughs> when I was on Tuesday, when I was driving home and I was just thinking about this, there I was like, there was all sorts of F words and S words that I could have said. And I just, I tried my hardest. I was like, man, Saturday is going to be so hard for me not to have to uh, hit the dump button because I, luckily it's been five days since that that we've released that. Because I've been stewing on this for over a month now. But like I said, if if you don't think that is newsworthy, then I question whether or not you can judge what's news, newsworthy in a situation like this. Or if you actually know the story. Yeah, like you got to know the story to be able to, if you don't know the story, then you can't make that that judgment call there. So that's my big take on it. There it is. Write it down. Thank you, Uno Sarah. That was the nicest way I could have put it. <laughs> no, I think it's it's definitely something that people are um, up in arms about for every you know for the right reasons. But so. I also will say this: don't let this one incident, this one bad, awful decision, don't let this be a referendum on how you feel about the media or KCTV five specifically. Because there's a lot of talented people over there that do a lot of really good work. Mm -hmm. And I don't want this to be a, like, I think people are unfairly going after uh, Angie Ricono. 
I don't think she made the decision. I think this was no. all on the news director. No and way. I think that's why he was on air yeah. to and he, explain he it. said so as and well. And that's how it works. And yeah. unfortunately, the faces that we see every day and the hardworking people at KCTV5 that are out at every game covering everything, mm-hmm. you know, reporting accurate, interesting information, um, they don't deserve to take a hit. Today. Yeah, they don't deserve, like, people need to s- stop their stupid and fire Angie Ricono, uh you know, petitions or whatever, because she's really, really, she's really good at what she does. So I don't think that this is something. To me, this is not an indictment on her, because I don't really or feel her like, team. yeah, because I don't feel like she knew. This, I don't feel like she knew the story super well. So I don't really, think that they had uh, the ultimate control or decision making power like, right then. Yeah, there. I don't think she's the one that that was involved. That was involved in the actual. Let's cut it down to however much right. time we played. Right, right. I think that was the news director. So I think we kind of need to. Back off on on the criticism of her because I don't think that was her decision. Well, big story, big news. Hopefully it will um, all work itself out and those children will be safe. And then the adults will also be positive and safe and healthy. But moving forward, we are turning the tables to talk about the four-time FIFA World Cup champions, the USA Women's National Team, when we return. on 610 Sports Radio. It is a 610 Saturday where we talk live and local, and I have to be very honest, I have been waiting to talk about... I have been waiting for this segment that is is about to be upon us uh, since July 7th, and that is because that is when the United States women's soccer team won their fourth FIFA World Cup. Not only did she come prepared just from a mental standpoint, <laughs> she's got her world championship shirt on. Extremely excited over oh, there. Oh, she was Ba-bam. really excited. She had this... She, not only did she was prepared for this mentally, she had that shirt up in her closet, ready to go, pulled out. Uh, she pulled it out, laid it under her bed. Is like, tomorrow, I'm going to wear this. First of all, it was a gift, and I am very grateful for it. And so I did not purchase it myself. However, once it was received, I said I am never not wearing it. Did one of the listeners send it to you? <laughs> Be nice. But we are super excited. I know I am, but I know you guys are too as well. This was a huge victory um, on the field and off the field for the women of U- the United States uh, women's national team. Um, we were just talking kind of over break. There were over 20 records set during this tournament. Um, I mean, first of all, you just can't talk about the tournament without talking about the fact that they just purely dominated. Um, you know, from their first game, 13-0 was the win. Um which stirred up a lot of controversy. We it talked did. about I mean, Julio did. talked about that. And you know what uh, is back in, when it happened. The controversy you mentioned is that people were disappointed in how many goals they scored. Number one, well, if you don't know anything about the tournament, you don't realize that every goal you get helps you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Number two, they were disappointed in the way that they were they were accused of flagrantly celebrating continuously. I think that was bored. So the big story was the celebrating, uh, especially uh, Rapino's when she went out and she scored and she was like sliding around doing the kicks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a lot of people didn't like how she was celebrating. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we, me and Julio, we, we, we talked about that. It I'm was sure a little, you did. It was a little over the top how people were reacting to the celebration. Their reactions were ridiculous and they shut that. What is the most disappointing, disheartening moment is when the women are undefeated in the entire year of 2018. Right? We've talked about that many yes, times. Yes. Undefeated. They go into the world's biggest stage, the World Cup, and they are victorious. They are scoring goals. They are doing their job. And they are not 
on the front page of the paper for their success. They are not getting press because they are one of the best teams in history. They are not getting attention for any of that. But what they get attention for and what the first time they made the front page of the paper was their overzealous, um, flagrant celebrations. Yeah. Which is 100% crap, in my opinion. Yeah, no, we talked about that, and it was like it's, you know, it was it was – it was funny because if you look at other sports, guys do over-the-top celebrations all the time. You know, NFL, a defensive turnover. Everybody's running into the end zone. Exactly. The One whole defense play. runs into the end zone, and they, they strike a pose in front of the cameras for the crowd. One play in yeah. one league game that yeah. is – First of all, it's your job to do that, so just do it. But secondly, one, you know, you cannot con- compare to me a league game to the world's biggest stage, yeah, the World yeah. Cup. I mean, so that's disappointing. But, I mean, these women are just so incredible and special, and this team is insanely talented. But so many, like we just said, 20-plus records broken. I'm going to share just a few. Um, the most goals scored in a single game with a 13. We should have had a Letterman countdown. Do, do like Letterman, Letterman top ten and do a countdown. We should have. We didn't think about this ahead of time well enough. That's all right. Because we should have done. Alex Morgan scored five goals against Thailand, tying the previous record, which was our very own Michelle Akers, who also scored five goals in the '91 tournament. Um, first country to win the World Cup four times. The first country to do that. Um, Rapino is the first player to score from a penalty kick in regulation. Um, Rapino again. She is the first player to win the golden boot and the golden ball. So she won both of them. Um, Rapino, the oldest player to do so. Um, the most goals scored ever. I mean, the list goes on. Another one I'd like to point out is Carly Lloyd, a critical piece of their team. Um, prior to camp, you know, she's 36 years old. Um, really wasn't sure of her status on the team. Jill Ellis, coach, head coach Jill Ellis said, hey, you got to give me something. You got to prove to me that you deserve to be here. She did. And then she became, um, she set the record for scoring at least one goal in six straight games. We saw what she did in the 2015 World Cup with the hat trick. I mean, she's she was amazing. the star of that one. She's absolutely amazing. And I mean, these women are, I mean, we've said it so many times. You can't turn on the TV. I'm grateful for this after this week. You can't turn on the TV or be on Instagram or Twitter and not see Rapino or not see the celebrations. I can't thank God enough for Ashlyn Harris's social media feeds. If you are not following her, do it. Follow her. She has a really respectful but also confident glimpse into everything this team is and how they celebrate and how much they've earned this. Um, I mean, this team is just breaking barriers, and we've talked about it so much, but more than just sports. Yeah, I think the the most notable thing for me is that they've become – uh, a bigger story beyond just soccer. They crushed it on the field. They yeah. are tenacious, competitive, and they dominated the largest tournament ever. Like, crushed yeah, it. Yeah, but culturally, they I mean, that was one of the things that really jumped out to me was, like, when they were celebrating, it became a big story. Mm-hmm. It became, like, it, it was big talk. It was leading off shows. It was front page of the newspaper. We were analyzing that aspect, and then all of a sudden, it went from that to the the situation with Megan Rapino and Trump, and then it went to the situation of how they've celebrated like all this week since they won the since they won the World Cup on Sunday. Like it's become a story of how just how they've gone out and become a, this really really good um, 
these cultural icons. Oh for my god, women. incredibly, incredibly, this team will never be forgotten. Yeah. You know, being a female soccer player, you hear about the 99ers, which was brand new oh, yeah. testing. That was, they won. that was what got me into watching soccer on Excellent. television was watching the 99 team. But now this 19ers is just the new phenomenon. And it's because they take their platform so seriously. They understand their breaking barriers. Um, when they won, without any assistance from the team, the 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 federation from anybody, the crowd started chanting equal pay. Mm-hmm. The crowd. Yeah. So it is... A non-soccer story becoming the forefront of the narrative for this team. And as reporters, um, you know, doing different types of live hits and interviews, multiple times the crowd, again, chimes in with their opinions on whether it be Trump or just the fact that they need to be paid. Um, It is insane just how how brave they have to be because they collectively – just think about this. They're suing their employers. Yeah. Like, collectively, they had to do this, and everybody had to be on board or it wouldn't make a wave. Yeah. And they are doing it. And not only are they talking about it, but they're actually doing it. So it's one of those, can you talk the talk or can you walk the walk? And they do both. And 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 they look at it as their responsibility to do this because of the women before them who built up the program, and they are just continuing it. And, I mean, for the first ever soccer player to appear um, in a live interview with Anderson Cooper – to be Megan Rapino, not a ma- a male number one, and not a foreign player. Yeah, that's huge. And and like we said, we've we've taken this sports story, and now this is life. This is just society, and the way that they are fighting for equality um, in a humble, respectful, intelligent way is is captivating. And I, I'm sorry. Yeah, like I said, the 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 big story to me was not them, you know, specifically winning the World Cup but how they kind of broke that barrier of how female athletes should conduct themselves, how they celebrate, how they express how they should be themselves, treated. how they should be treated. Like they, they broke the barriers on all these different things. And they simply like, essentially they went out there and they did what the guys did and it made some people uncomfortable. But I think overall, after we, uh, you know, after the world cup and the way that they conducted themselves, I think everybody kind of looks at them and the same light that they look at the men now. And I think, I mean, if anything, they, they look at them as like, hey, they're way better than the men are. Well, first what the of all, the they should because, uh, you know, you can't go with this without talking about, I mean, look at the records. Like, look at what the women's team has done with less resources, with less, you know, lower quality training facilities, all of these things, lower pay, a um, not supported regular league to stay fit and stay, you know, around the game. Like, there's so many different things that people don't really necessarily see what we're hearing now is just the tip of the iceberg. All of the crap that they've been dealing with is, is below. Right. But now they're saying, Hey, look, we've done all this. We're going to demand equal pay. And I just appreciate the fact that they're sitting down and saying, how can we collaborate together to make this better? Because they could be immature and they could demand how many male athletes have gone on strike. How many, right. And these women are saying, Hey, we're going to stand up and voice our opinions and express the fact that this is not equal. But then look what we're going to do. We're going to go, oh, oh by the way, we're going to go win our fourth world champion title for our country. Yeah, and our second straight, like, which is like, so hard to do in that sport. I mean. So hard to do that. And so it's just insane. And it's just, um, as a female athlete and coach, it's just insane to see this. And I'm so proud of them. And I hope that people start taking more notice. We have 
completed our USA talk. However, it's really never really done when I'm around. <laughs> She's really sad. About um, she'll try to. She'll probably. We got an interview coming up next. Maybe I'll ask him his opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, coming up next. No, we're turning the tables to NBA, both nationally and some things that are buzzing around Kansas City. Is the NBA coming here? We have somebody who is excited to tell us a little bit about it. Don't go anywhere. She just spent the last 30 seconds trying to get her headphones The struggle on. was real. Okay, I have, last 30 I listen, seconds. Uh, real. I have a couple chargers <laughs> happening here. And Got a lot plug, going on over there. The plug is a little farther away than I need it to be, so it's a little uncomfortable. But everything is plugged in, so we're golden. We're ready to go. <laughs> Overtime continues, and we're really excited to turn the tables to talking NBA. So there's so much happening, obviously, with free agency, a lot happening in Kansas City. We are really excited to welcome in a call-in guest, Ryan Mogjosh. I'm te- I'm I'm like dying because, Ryan, I can't imagine that's literally how I say your last name. Is that correct? <laughs> No, yes, that's how, and nobody in the history of my life has ever gotten it correct. Yes, Julio just no. did the touchdown <laughs> sign because he's happy that we got it right. Well, we, I clearly yeah. didn't get it right on accident. Julio told us that, and we both were like, is he messing with us? I, I knew no, Julio was here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for calling in today. So um, to give you a little background on Ryan played at Central Missouri University um, and now crushes it on the Four Seasons podcast, also does some NBA writing for Fansided. I think I'm missing a couple of things there, Ryan. But thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Well, there's just been so many different shenanigans happening right now. It's NBA free agency. So there's ups, there's downs, there's surprises. Um, just give us a little rundown of what you've observed lately. Yeah, shenanigans is an amazing way to put it. It's <laughs> literally, there's no downtime in the NBA season. As soon as the actual gameplay stops, things are always happening. And this summer, unlike probably the past couple summers, this has been loaded. And it almost seems like the NBA is going through this phase where now the theme is duos. And you got like two guys separating on each team. You saw AD and LeBron are teaming up in the, at Lakerland. And Kawhi and Paul George are in LA with the Clippers. Now the Warriors have kind of broken up with KD going to the Nets out east and he joining Kyrie. So there's a scheme going on that players are communicating with one another this summer and almost building like these duos and kind of restoring some, um, some even ground in the NBA right now. Yeah, one, that's one of the things I wanted to jump on is that we've kind of seen the super team in the NBA go away now instead of having this these trios of players that are just going to go out there and, and try to collect as many championships as they can. We're now seeing these duos all over, especially over the Western Conference, but some in the Eastern Conference as well. Uh, what do you think has kind of motivated these players to kind of get away from that super team model, at least in the, in the current format? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of it has to do with this player empowerment movement. Everybody wants to protect themselves and, they're signing one, two-year deals, nothing like we've seen in the past where they sign three- or four-year deals and the team can build around them. They're wanting to protect themselves and their own happiness. So if they're not in a situation that they like, they have the freedom to go elsewhere because they're only on contract for two years. We saw this with Anthony Davis last year. He literally sat out because he didn't like the way his contract was structured. 
and he didn't want, he wasn't happy in New Orleans. So he demanded a trade. It didn't happen, and he was unhappy. So now he's a Laker, and hopefully he's going to be happy now. But I think that has to do with it. All these super teams are no longer because of shorter contracts. And also, the guys at the top of the league, the KDs, the LeBrons, they kind of they kind of dictate how the league is going to be structured. So if KD is unhappy and he wants to leave, he's going elsewhere. All of a sudden, the best team in the last five years, the Golden State Warriors, are kind of blown up. So do you think when they are you know, protecting themselves and really mindful before signing new contracts, and you mentioned it yourself, reaching out to other players, do you think what is their first interest? Is their priority to keep the league competitive, or are they being a little selfish and just want to go play with their boys? <laughs> I think it is a little selfishness. Uh, we talk to players that come on our show about this, and a lot goes into it, a lot more than us common folk even realize. Um, even small stuff like family and weather, location matters where you play. But at the top, it's roster and minutes and money. A lot of them only say money. They're not shy to say that because they got to feed their families. But I do think it's a little selfishness, and now more than ever, when you see Boston trade away Isaiah Thomas, who was the heart and soul of that organization for so long, you realize it's a business. Same thing with Kyrie. Things aren't going well in Boston. I think Boston's kind of taking some heat for this, and players see that and don't necessarily get excited about the thought of playing in Boston because now their front office is treated their players, which I think is a small issue now, but hasn't really got a lot of attention. And I think that that topic will grow in the future. And I'm sure that we'll see lots more um just more shenanigans, as we've mentioned, prior to the NBA season obviously kicking off. But we want to talk a little bit, kind of bring it back to Kansas City. I know that you are part of a group that is working pretty pretty tirelessly to essentially make Kansas City the next home of an NBA team. So tell us a little bit about what's going on in that department. Oh, man, that would be an absolute dream come true. Yeah, me and some people around the league here locally in Kansas City are working on that and trying to – connect with as many people as we can to start this movement. And it's been started the last, I would say, handful of years, three, four years. And looking at Kansas City sports right now and how passionate Royals fans are and how passionate Chiefs fans are and nationwide, we're known for being high culture, high passion fans, some of the most passionate in the NFL and MLB, respectively. So I don't think that would change if we got an NBA team. And the fact that I know that for a fact because – you guys have all probably been down there at Big 12 tournament weekend, down at Power and White, and the place is <laughs> an absolute zoo. Passionate fans everywhere, camping out for tickets and seats. It is a sight to see, and I think the passion for basketball is here. We just don't have a professional team for it yet, so that's what we're kind of working towards. We're talking to Ryan Mock, Josh, from the Four Seasons NBA podcast. Uh, you guys just recently had uh, Carrington Harrison from The Drive on your uh, Tuesday <laughs> yeah. show, so you can go listen to that on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast at. Now, here's one of the things that generally happens to us when we start hearing about Kansas City getting a brand-new team is a lot of times it's a team that's not happy with their arena deal, and so they're looking at other cities to potentially move to. You hear Vegas, and then obviously you're going to hear Kansas City right after that. Are you guys looking to get an expansion team or maybe try to see if you can lure one of these teams that might be side-eyeing Kansas City as a potential new destination to move to? Well, we will take whatever we can get. Expansion <laughs> or relocation doesn't matter to me. Amen. But I, I think that the realistic possibility is expansion because the NBA is the best that it's ever been. The amount of talent in the NBA right now 
from roster slot 1 through 15 is overflowing. And Commissioner of the NBA has talked about it before, that relocation is definitely a possibility. It's markets like Memphis and New Orleans, which just got a haul and some really exciting young players this year, so that won't be an issue this year. But teams that are kind of struggling, that are in small cities, will look to relocate. That's a possibility. But overall, I think the league is wanting to expand and grow, especially if these new CBA agreements are talking about allowing people to go straight from high school to the NBA. That's just going to open floodgates from even more talent. So as the NBA popularity grows, as the skill level grows, which is going at an exponential rate right now, I would look for expansion to be a definite possibility. All right, last question here. Quick question here. Who do you think is going to – we got all these teams now in the West and a few teams over in the East now who are looking mm-hmm. at contending. Who do you think is going to is gonna come out with the uh, championship this coming season? Well, on paper, as crazy as it sounds, all of a sudden the Clippers are the best team on paper. I know LeBron got AD, and that's probably the best duo. But what we saw, what we saw last year was the Toronto Raptors win the championship, and what they had on their roster was a bunch of role guys that knew their role, could make open jump shots, and were a really competitive, close-knit team. And that aspect matters a lot. Everybody's obsessed with getting stars and getting the big-name player. But the Clippers have a total roster outside of Kawhi and Paul George, guys that play defense, know their role, and can make open jump shots. So while all the attention's on getting the big-name guy, getting the KDs and Kyries, whoever else is on your team matters. So... On paper, the Clippers have that. So I would say right now the favorite in the West and in the overall NBA would be the Los Angeles Clippers. All right. There you have it, people. He's calling it the Clippers. (laughs) I agree with you. I agree with you. So there's no qualms here. Well, I'm sure it'll be an exciting season. Um, Ryan, we really appreciate your time. And um, how can we tune in to your podcast, catch your writing? Where can we we, uh, check you out? Yeah, it's uh, the Four Seasons Podcast, and it's spelled like the number four and then FZNS. Uh, we have a guest on every show, an NBA player on every other episode. Really exciting guests coming up this next month. Um, we had some news two weeks ago. We just joined Ball of Life. Uh, oh, okay. We have a partnership with them, and we're going to uh, we're going to grow pretty rapidly here in the next foreseeable future. Uh, you can see us on their website now, ballislife.com. Uh, follow them on Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook. But also, we're on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, basically everywhere you guys uh, listen to podcasts yourself. Well, congratulations on the growth and the partnership with Ball is Life. And thanks for all you're doing in Kansas City. Keep the efforts going. And definitely just thanks for your time today. I appreciate that, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Ryan. We have more overtime coming up after this. Don't go anywhere. Today. You're just playing stuff at a rotator, right? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Are you, are you sure? purposely just playing this. stuff at a rotator? Hate. Shout out to Julio. <laughs> and actually, it's time to bring in the man, Julio himself. We've got some web hits with our boy, Julio. What do you have for us today, Julio's sir? Julio's web hits. <laughs> well, you we almost got in the way of that one. Almost. Yeah. All right, so we got a, a couple good ones here. All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and first start with the uh, NFL owners reportedly proposing an 18-game schedule with a 16-game limit for all players. 
are your thoughts on that? I mean, who's going to play the other two games? Backups. So we're going to get two games of Chad Henney? So yeah, Chad Henney. are tickets going to be less for those two extra games? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hell no. They're probably not going to tell fans that right? Chad <laughs> Henney's going to play instead of Patrick Mahomes until, like, the day of. And then are those home and away because you got to factor in travel, right? Here's the thing that's going to happen with this. If they do this, it's not going to happen. But here's the thing. If they, if they were to do this, every one of these teams is going to have their entire backup lineup play on a Thursday night unless it is a late season game where they have to win. So if it's like in October and the Chiefs are playing the Chargers in Los Angeles on Thursday night, Chad Henney and every backup on the team is going to play in that game. So to me, it makes no sense to do this. A, because you're, it's not really contributing to the safety of the players because they're still going to practice and they're still going to be doing all the things that they would normally do leading up to. And on top of that, it's going to hurt the quality of the games themselves because nobody wants to watch Chad Henney play football. And these people are doing this for money, I assume. Longer season, more yeah. money. So, yeah. But who's going to watch? Who's going to buy tickets? Who's going to support People that? watch. I think Because like I said, I think they're not going to do it until like right before the game starts. So I would like, love to see the ratings between when Mahomes starts versus... Oh, they'll be trash. <laughs> they'll, especially if it's a nationally televised game, which I assume many of those will be. Oh, they'll, they're going to be trash. Well, don't you think the NFL would pull something where they wouldn't let you know until game time who's starting or That's who's what I'm not? saying. It, it, and then as soon as people see Chad Henney line it up, they're like, oh, I'm going to change the channel now. I'm going to go watch something else on this right, Monday night. Right, so the ratings like, will be ridiculous. I don't, yeah, I'm sure it takes one game and then people are up in arms about the ticket prices. You well, know? Yeah, oh, yeah. They, as I, if you have to pay the same price to watch Chad Henney as you did with Patrick Mahomes, uh, I, I'd be angry. Hard they, pass. Get to pay Hard 60, pass. Hard pass. Yeah, I'd pay $60 to go park at Arrowhead to watch Chad Henney play football. I'd be angry. Hating on Chad Henney. He's not good. <laughs> Poor guy. Chad, <laughs> Chad Henney on. is not good. You watch the preseason games. Oof. He's a good mentor. I pray, that, mentor. Alec, I pray that, that Patrick Mahomes does not get hurt because I w- it would severely hurt my uh, enjoyment value getting, that I get from watching the Chiefs. You and the rest of the league, quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving on, obviously the uh, U.S. women's national team winning Woo-woo. the World Cup is is one of the biggest news uh, cycles of the week. Of the world. Of the world. That's true. Of the world. Uh, so we had some people kind of chime in on some of the controversies that kind of popped up this week. Uh, one in particular, Snoop Dogg on <laughs> women receiving equal pay in the World Cup. Full for coat. Shout out to the... Uh... USA women's soccer team for their fourth World Cup. But what I want to talk about is uh, they only get $90,000 per player. But the men, if they win it, they get $500,000 per player. The sorry-ass men from the U.S. soccer team ain't ever won. Ain't gonna ever win. Can't even get out the first round. Man, pay them ladies, man. Pay them girls what they worth. The women should be getting $500,000 per athlete. Snoop Dogg says so. Yeah, I'm rocking with that. Yeah. Them girls done won four World Cups and $90,000? Man, please. Pay them 500000 per player. Snoop Dogg says so. USA Soccer. Let's go, girls. The marathon continues. Yes. Snoop knows what's up. Yes, Snoop, yes. Snoop says so. Snoop says so. Shout out to him. We found that on his Instagram, right? Just random. He took the time to just... Speak his mind, and I agree. I cannot agree more. And I'm thrilled to see other um, powerful people in other industries 
voicing their opinions. It sounded like he was watching, uh, uh, what is the name of that show, uh, How It's Made That's on the Science Channel. To? That's what you're listening to. I've heard that audio before. Thanks for paying attention to the show. We played that audio. I was was paying hyper attention to that audio. It sounded like he was playing. He was. He was. He was watching like how it's made, and he sounded like he had just taken. He sounded like he he took a hit off some weed, and then he just like yo, I'm make a video on the U.S. Women's National Team, and he decided to to create an Insta snap and Insta story based off of that. No, he, he sounded like he was listening to how it's made. Well, and I'm all in. I'm in. I'm in agreements with him too, and the fact that look. I'm all for equal pay, and if the women didn't deserve it, I would I would proudly speak up and say, look, it's it's a, it's a revenue thing, right? Women like like the WNBA. It's I think it's understandable that the women, you know, WNBA wise, don't get paid as much because they don't bring in as much. The revenue. league doesn't make very they much don't money make to much begin. money, if any and at all. Neither does the NWSL. Right, but when so it comes, I understand that completely. Right. However, when the NWSL isn't given the proper resources to be successful. It's, mm-hmm. It can never be successful. Yeah. So it's you just have to stop and go back to square one and understand that the same employer is employing a male and a female to do the same job and paying one more than the other, and that is the bottom line. Snoop what, said so. Women bring in more. The, the women's national team brings in more revenue than the men's. Do, just bottom line. Yeah, they do. They the have are, the most popular, highest-selling jersey. Uh, just this last, their white home kit. They do deserve to get paid more. Bye-bye. The same, if not more. <laughs> no, they deserve to get paid more. They should cut the men's pay and then give that to the women. All I'm asking for is... That's that. what they should do. They should cut the men's pay and give that to... Like, get, cut their pay in half to a quarter of a million and then give the women that quarter of a million that they would have paid the men. Because it, it wasn't... Was that just for winning the tournament? Because if that was the winning case... Winning the tournament. Correct. If that was the case, you could just cut their pay down to significantly just give that to the women as like, hey, well, here's 500000 each. Because that team can't even Because the men's team ain't going to win tournament. the World Cup ever well, they unless they even... get like LeBron James level athletes playing that sport and they're not going to get they them do. anytime soon. They're called Megan Rapino. One's called Alex That's Morgan. That's what I'm saying. The, the, sure. Unless the men's get that, unless the men get level athletes like that, they, they're not going to win a World Cup. Moving on, the Atlantic Baseball League, which is... Uh, Almost like a minor league affiliate type uh, type deal. Okay. Um, they're doing something a little bit different with baseball. That kind of trying to change things up than traditional baseball, uh, and they have introduced uh, a robot uh, <laughs> as a as an umpire. Yes. To call the strikes, balls and strikes. Uh, oh my goodness! Behind the plate, umpire only, or in the field as well? Well, there is still a, an umpire behind the plate. Okay. Uh, and they do the, the umpire behind the plate does reserve the right to change the call. <laughs> They do safe out calls usually, but okay. they, they, essentially this yes. robot, this robot is doing the balls and strike calls. But that All that right. being said, right? I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward. I mean, the the, the strike zone is pretty consistent. It's it's yeah. monitored by a computer. Mm-hmm. So now we have the first ever individual to have been thrown out of a game for arguing balls and <laughs> strikes, Frank Viola. Um, with the robot. This, that with the robot. <laughs> Frank Viola, the pitching coach, is barking. Oh, he throws his clipboard way up in the air. Third base, um, Bill Worthington got in front of him before is this he could get to the plate. Now no, it's Jamie the pitching Keefe coach. comes the, running out, and Viola wants coach? a piece of Tim Detweiler. Going to be an early shower for the pitching coach tonight. And the other two umpires both intercepting him. Not letting him get anywhere near Detweiler, who he really, really wanted to go after. Must have been that last call. I mean, Frank Viola is not 
a family friendly guy whatsoever <laughs> with some of that language, but my goodness. <laughs> Come on. And it was clearly a ball. It was not even <laughs> close. I'll say this. Baseball is one of those sports where, like, it's so arguing with the with the umps is so ingrained. Even if we get calls that are, like, it completely automated. You get robots that completely automate safe and out calls on the bases. They're still going to argue them because that's the nature of the sport. And if it doesn't go your way, you're just going to argue about it. But why are you arguing? That's just silly. It's, it's silly, it's but this, is the, black and this white. is the nature of the sport of baseball. It, there's a, not a whole lot of common sense in a lot of things that they do. Like, you got to hit a guy if guy hits your guy. Like, this is just the nature of the sport. It makes no sense. This is not shocking. It's going to continue to happen. Well, when you bring a robot into the picture, <laughs> very strange. <laughs> very strange. All right. Up next, a segment we're pretty excited about. It is Dead to Me. We are finding out who is on the Dead to Me roster today on Overtime when we return. Welcome back into Overtime at 610 Sports Radio. It's Chris Unocero, Julio Sanchez, and myself, Jillian Carroll. It's Sanchez. What did I say? You said Sam. Sorry, Sanchez. He's very very particular about that. Are you? Yeah, he is. You've never told me that before. Yeah, you are. Chris is trying to make some I, something out of nothing. No, here. <laughs> I, he's like he's like no, it's Sanchez. Sorry, Sanchez, my bad. All right, let's bring in the next segment. The boys are very excited about this one. I'm a little scared today, but um, so dead to me, where we talk about people who we kill people off. We, <laughs> let's bring it in. Oh God. You're dead to me, boy. You're more dead to me than your dead mother. You're nothing to me now. You're not a brother. You're not a friend. I don't want to know you or what you do. There is no tomorrow. You're dead to me. You're dead. You're gone. I don't even know who you are. You're vapor. You're dead to me. Over. Your open's going to be longer than my dead to me because we, we just got like four minutes left in the show. But in case you're curious, it's the you're dead to me segment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just just in case you didn't get it, yeah, we kill people off here. Um, the person who was dead to me this week is Grayson Allen, who is a forward for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's been dead. He <laughs> No, no, he, he was very alive and well just a couple of days earlier when he decided that he wanted to try to lay it, the smack it down in a, uh, in a in a summer league game. He got called for two flagrant fouls, and it was literally one was just on a simple back screen. He got mad and he shoved the guy and knocked him to the floor. And then right after that, he goes back. I think it was like eight game seconds that this happened in. He gets screened again, and this time he just he hits the guy in his head, trying to block a shot from behind him. Clearly didn't make a play for the ball. Hit the guy in his head, ends up getting tossed, and then he had the nerve. <laughs> To look at everybody's like, what did I do? What, what did I you do? You mean the same look he always has whenever he, he does that? Whenever he, he decides he wants to trip people. Done that? He, it, when he was tripping people at Duke, he always had the, what did I do look on his face? I hate That's exactly that. what he had. I would say this right now. Grayson Allen, he's going to be out of this league in less than three years. 
I don't, I don't mean to be violent, but he just has one of those faces. And He's got the punch me face. Just want to punch. He's got the punch me face for no reason. And I hope some. I hope well, he, he tests somebody. Reason, I hope he <laughs> tests somebody this year, and they just drop him right there in the middle of the court. His teammates aren't going to help him because they're like, yeah, I've, I've been wanting to do that too. And I wonder if his own teammates want to punch him. Oh yeah, they do. Like I would not be shocked if we heard him getting into like a practice fight somewhere. Something like Jaron Jackson Jr. just has enough of his bleep and he just drops him in practice. I would love to hear about that. I'd love to see it. So, yeah, Grayson Allen dead to me. One can only hope. <laughs> Adding to my dead to me list, Colin Coward. I, I think he's been on a lot of people's dead <laughs> oh, to me yeah. list for, for quite some for time. Now. I don't even think you need to explain this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, it's been all over social media. Uh, Patrick Mahomes kind of throwing the ball out of the uh, Chiefs stadium, out of Airhead Stadium. Uh, Colin Cowherd, as he likes to do, uh, takes the opposite side of everyone else's opinion he just does. for the sake of being the different. Argument, mm -hmm. Yes. Um, he tweeted, meanwhile, Tom Brady was working on timing and precision routes. Oh, come on. To which Patrick Mahomes replied with a bunch of smiley faces, basically laughing at him because Colin Cowherd is a clown. How... <laughs> What are you talking about? What are you there? I don't. I'm so flustered by this. I just don't even know what like to say. Like he didn't have a clip of Brady working out, right? Like he was just like. There's been being a, a recent punk. clip of Brady running with his shirt off because he ran a 40 time faster Brady's, now than Brady's, when he came into the league. Brady's always running with his shirt off now. Yeah, but remember when he came in the league, he was a skinny scrub. Well, yeah, no, he, yeah, was, he, was, he was kind of chubby then. actually. Yeah, he, he was, was a little chubby then, but now he was he's like, like oh, he, he was, had a couple donuts. He was not a. Athlete, yeah, looking. he wasn't like no. a good-looking dude or nothing. But now, like, he he's, wasn't who he he's is now, clearly, but constantly, you know, Colin to take a hike. Yeah, that's the reason why I don't like Colin because he's like the primo contrarian. Like, he's you, that guy. You know oh, what his opinion is? You should be paying attention to your playbook. You shouldn't be. Yeah, he's literally in the stadium practicing, and he just happened to like. Come you on. really think Patrick Mahomes hasn't been in the playbook like that's, this guy? That's, he's, he was in the a, there was a tornado here in Kansas City, and he was reading his playbook and watching game film. <laughs> Like, this is one thing I don't like is like when we don't want athletes to have a life. Right. Exactly. I mean, think about it. Like, I, I'd say this right now. I If my life were centered around sports radio, I'd go crazy. <laughs> I would Me go too. crazy. There's so many things that I like to do outside of sports. There are times, there are days where I, <laughs> go, I go without watching sports. Like, just days. I'll go like, like last weekend, I tried to stay away from sports after the Kawhi news came out. And I was like jumping and like fist pumping. Because uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm done with sports the rest of the weekend. This weekend is Yu Yu Hakusho weekend. I'm done with with watching. Don't know uh, what that is, but it's, a, it's an anime. It's a great like, show. A it's a great show. Yeah, it's, it's just like that. It's, it's oh, in the same realm. So I was watching that all last weekend. I was done with sports after that. What happened wow. to the slow slow part of the uh, sports calendar? By the way. Oh, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't happen. No, I, the Tyree Kill situation happened. I was say, Patrick was... Mahomes wore them ugly ass shoes. Uh, we heard the we had women's more national team news. won their fourth women won the world, world championship. Come on, boys. Jeez. All right. Well, Colin's dead. The other one's dead. Grayson Allen. It, uh, you can just call him the other one. The I, other one. Actually, that's, like that. that's a better dead. name than Grayson Allen. They're both dead. The other one. We had a good time with you on Overtime today. We do have another show a week from today. Also, just check out Rivalry Renewed, the Rush Brothers, uh, and their KUNMU alumni friends will battle again on the court July 28th. Also, uh, Sporting Takes on Vancouver tonight. Yep. Takes on Dallas next Saturday and also hosts the media game that we will be at. Check us out next Saturday. Peace.
Overtime with Jillian and Chris, 610 Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.